Welcome to the Overflow Podcast. We pray you are encouraged by this message. For more info, notes, or other messages, download the Overflow Church app or visit our website at overflowdfw.com. I want to talk about turbulence. How many of you have ever flown in a plane before and you've experienced Turbulence. In fact, if you've flown in a plane, you know for sure, absolutely, you probably faced turbulence and you probably freaked out, especially the first time you ever flew. Do you remember? And you were flying, and then the plane, the the uh, the captain comes over the speaker and he goes, uh, "Please remain seated and buckle your seatbelts." We, we've got a little. He's kind of like the dentist. You know how the dentist talks when you go to the dentist, and he's kind of like, "Hey, hello there," and he's talking. He's he's kind of like assuring you. Hey, we got a little wind coming in, and we're going to be traveling, and we're going to have a little bit of turbulence here. And so what do they tell you? The, the little thing goes, bing, right? And it says, fasten your seatbelts, along with the no smoking sign. Like, you would think in 2017, they could probably quit producing that little button that says no smoking, but we're glad that it has the fasten the seatbelt, and it bings, then we make sure that we're buckled in, and most of us start freaking out. You know, we start praying, Lord, just pray that you protect my family. Thank you, Lord, that, that you're, you're, you've been so good to me. Thank you for the life. I don't want anybody else to see me freaking out, but Lord, I, I do pray that you protect me. And Lord, if I have any unconfessed sin, I'm just confessing. Come on, how many of y'all are with me when you've experienced that turbulence? You were doing it too. It wasn't just me. And so we all know that. I remember 12 years ago, uh, right after Mariah, Mariah was born, our oldest, I've, I had an opportunity to go to Ukraine uh, with a friend of mine, Joel, and we flew to Ukraine to do some ministry uh, there in Kiev and some other parts. <clears throat> and so we left, uh, we flew from El Paso to DFW, and from DFW we flew, I don't know, I want to say it was about 12 or 13 hours to Amsterdam. Now, we weren't going to Amsterdam to participate in activities there. We were just going there to change flights. So we landed in Amsterdam. You know, we were super jacked up. And then we get in another plane, and we take that plane from Amsterdam then to Kiev, which is probably two or three hours. Now, on our descent, we, we've had pretty smooth uh, flight. You know, it seems like when you're on bigger planes, you don't experience the turbulence as much. And so we're, we're on our way to Kiev, descending down in Kiev, probably, you know, 20 minutes uh, from, from touchdown. And he comes over the speaker and says, hey, we just want to, you know, make sure that you're, you know, he says it in like 40 different languages because, you know, we're in Europe. And, and uh, so he tells us, you know, the protocol, you know, sit down, buckle your seat. And we start experiencing this crazy, crazy turbulence. I mean, we're freaking out. Like extreme turbulence can drop up to like 100 feet. So we're, I mean, the plane is banging. Everybody's freaking out. Um, Leslie has no idea this is going on. In fact, if she knew this would have happened, she wouldn't have let me go to Ukraine. We are freaking out. You know, everybody's kind of looking around. And it's, it, you would think, you know, you see the movies and everybody's screaming, ah, we, we're going to crash. We're freaking out in the plane, but nobody's saying anything. Everybody's just quiet, like pale, pasty, white, looking around with that look in their eye. I'm about to die. Today is the day the Grim Reaper just walked in to the airplane, and we're all going to die today. So we're in the flight, and then everything just kind of smooths out, and the plane lands. And as soon as the plane lands, the, the, every person in the plane is like, yes, yes, we're alive. We're not dead. We made it. And we were just so relieved from that moment. I, I'll never forget how intense those, you know, it felt like four hours, but I think it was, you know, more like about a minute and a half of this extreme turbulence. But if you've ever been in that situation, you know that it's scary. 
And I, I think life is like that. Whatever season we're going through, no matter how bad it is, maybe it's a hundred foot drops in turbulence, or maybe it's just, you know, just a little bit. We always feel like that this is the worst thing I could ever possibly go through. Am I going to survive? Am I going to make it? Am I going to bail? And so I want to talk a little bit this morning about turbulence because we are all going to face turbulence. You can't get out of it. There's two things you can't get out of probably more, but I wanted to remind you, the first is the love of God. You can't get out of the love of God. And the second thing that you can't get out of is hardships. You're going to face hardships. You're going to face trials. You're going to face turbulence. So what is turbulence? On an airplane, what happens with turbulence? Well, a plane flies and it moves and it navigates because of this element called air pressure, right? Right? The way the pressure goes over the wings, we've talked about this in previous wings, previous weeks. Uh, the way pressure goes over the wings, over the, the aerodynamic, our plane is, is ready to be done with this series. And the air pressure helps the plane to fly. So the thing that actually can help it to fly can also make it scary if you're on board, right? So you got jet streams, you got wind, you got storms, all this stuff in the journey because you're changing climate, right? You're changing elevation. If you're flying over mountains, mountains change the way the wind moves. I think we have a little graphic, yeah. So wind, storms, jets, jet streams, all this kind of stuff, all these, all the pressure around the plane is what causes this turbulence. Now, most of the time, there's always turbulence on the plane. The plane is always shaking. A lot of times you don't feel it. But there are some times when it's extreme. In fact, you know, there's always like little drops, like one foot to three foot drops. That's considered like mild turbulence. You know, you feel like a boom, you know, when you're in a plane and you just feel that little jump. But, and then there's extreme, like what we were experiencing, where it can actually, the plane can go uh, like 100 foot drops. The plane can actually go by like 100 feet down and 100 feet up because the turbulence is so intense. So we'll, we'll throw this again this week. Yeah, a little, oh, check that out. Come on. So the movement of air, the air pressure. Yes, thank you. Thank you. Work really hard for that. Um, but there's a couple things to know about turbulence. Turbulence, first of all, is normal. It's normal. It's totally normal when you're in an airplane to experience turbulence. In fact, it would be abnormal if you didn't experience any, any uh, turbulence on a plane. The other thing about turbulence is, is it's, it's necessary. It's necessary, just like we were talking about. It takes all that wind pressure, it takes all of that is necessary in flight. The other thing is it's temporary. Turbulence is temporary. I know when you're in it, I know when you're, when you're going through the turbulence of life, it feels like it's never gonna end. I know that six months feels like six years when it's difficult. Six weeks are really, really long, right? And the, but, but, but it's important to know this, is turbulence is caused by the environment. Everybody say the environment. It's not caused because of the plane. It's not because of the, the pilots terrible or the passengers are terrible or the people on board are terrible. The reason why there's turbulence is because the plane is going somewhere and there's an environment it is in. Everybody say environment. Now, let me also say this. It's very unlikely that turbulence will ground a plane. Very unlikely. In fact, it, it's only happened, I, I did some research this week. It happened one time like in the 60s when planes were not engineered as good as they are now. So we always think that we're going to be the first one, you know, the, the plane that went down because of turbulence. But listen, it is very unlikely, very unrealistic uh, that a plane would crash because of that. Understand this. 
getting out of bed is more dangerous than turbulence. I know that getting out of bed is pretty dangerous for most of us, and it's scary, just like turbulence a lot of times because it's hard to take on the day, especially if we're in a difficult season. Um, but, it, but the thing that we know the most is it's highly uncomfortable, isn't it? You can know all these things. You can know all the words. It's normal. It's necessary. It's, you know, it's just, it's just part of life. You're going you're gonna to experience turbulence. We can know that. We can know all the answers, but it's still uncomfortable every time. I don't know about you, but anytime I'm dealing with a difficulty in my life, anytime, I'm not like, yeah, praise the Lord. Thank you, Lord, for your word. I'm the head and not the tail. I'm above and I'm, I can say all that, but inside I'm going, this is terrible, right? With that pale look on my face, right? The Lord never leaves me. He never forsakes me. He's with me. Holy Spirit, I believe that you're leading and God, right? I can know all the scriptures, Right? but it doesn't always make it more comfortable. And so understand this, that as long as you are in this world, you will experience trouble. You will experience turbulence. It's not you, it's life. Are you with me? And many times we want to blame ourselves, but even Jesus said this, look, John chapter 16, verse 33, Jesus says, in this world, you will have trouble. Promise, right? You want, you want a Bible verse of the day? You want a Bible promise? You don't, funny, we don't see that one right in the Bible promise book. Bible promise book right here. In this world, you will have trouble, period. Well, you will see it probably in your Bible promise book because it says right here, in this world, you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. So because of the victory that Jesus has, we can have victory through whatever comes our way because Jesus said it like that. Take heart, chill out, take a chill pill, take heart. It's hard, I know, they're about to kill me, right? They're gonna kill you too. This is what Jesus is talking about in John 16. He's actually talking about, he's actually talking about real persecution, not somebody didn't like your latest post on Facebook, like real, real persecution. In this world, you will have trouble. It's gonna be difficult, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Second Corinthians chapter four. You guys with me? All right. Verse six. For God who said, let there be light in the darkness has made this light shine in our hearts so that we could know the glory of God. Everybody say, know the glory. All right. You can know the glory. You can experience the glory that is seen in the face of Jesus Christ. Verse seven. We now have this light. What light? The glory of God, right? The presence of God. The manifestation of God. The weight of God's presence. We now have this light shining in our hearts, but we ourselves, this is a familiar passage, we ourselves are like fragile clay jars containing this great treasure. What is the great treasure? The glory of God. But he says this, we are like fragile clay jars jars. This makes it clear that our great power is from God and not ourselves. So Paul is saying, listen, what God has given us, what's been provided through Jesus is phenomenal. It's the glory of God and it's inside of us. And then he, then he likens us and he goes, but we, we're completely vulnerable. We're like clay pots. Like we have this phenomenal thing in us, but we ourselves 
are breakable. How many of you are like, amen to that? And so a lot of times when we go through turbulence, when we go through difficulty, we think, I'm going to break. How many of y'all ever broke in the midst of difficulty? I know I have. Come on. I'm glad those videos aren't on Facebook, right? (laughs) I'm glad there's not a meme of me throwing a fit, right? Now, when it talks about clay jars here, and we, we think about clay, right? So an old potter guy, this was, you know, an industry back in the day. He would go out and he would get some clay, right? And he'd, he'd begin to, to mold it on a potter's wheel. They'd put it in a fire in a kiln. They would get it out and it would be a hardened piece of pottery. Sometimes it was beautiful. Sometimes they would paint it up and, and make it elegant looking. But, the, but the, the pottery always had a purpose. It was always fragile because it was made of pottery. It was made of clay. And this is what he says. This is, we're like fragile. Our lives are fragile. Life is fragile. He's like, however, these are meant for purpose. Now, the purpose of pottery in Scripture, we often think many times that this is the thing that they would put water in or something that they would use for, you know, household things. But they, if you will study this Scripture out, you'll see that he says that we also put valuable things in these treasures. So we put valuable things. So it'd be kind of like, you know, if you have a safe in your house, you put valuable things in there, right? Yeah? You don't put things that you don't worry about in a safe. You put valuable things. Well, back then, they didn't have safes. They used fragile clay pots for that, which seems kind of weird to us, doesn't it? In fact, the scrolls that they would keep in the temple, they rolled them up, and they stuck them inside clay cylinders, and this is how they kept the scrolls, the Word of God, in the temple. Or they carried them around. They put them in these clay crazy, such a vulnerable thing. They put them in these clay pots and they would use these to carry around the word of God. Crazy, isn't it? That they would use these. Many of us stop with this verse and I, I want to continue uh, where this verse left off, but, but understand this. We might be beautiful. Come on. Some of us more beautiful than others. Sorry, guys. Right? We all have purpose. We're all meant to contain something. But the thing that we all have in common, even though we all look different, the thing that we all have in common is that we're incredibly fragile. And life can be incredibly fragile. We are breakable. We're beautiful. We're functional. But we're also breakable. And it, but it's not our beauty or our durability that makes us valuable. It's not your beauty. This is so important for you today. It's not your beauty. Come on. It's not your durability that makes you valuable. It's what you contain is what makes you valuable. Because when God created you, he said you will be a glory bearer. You will bear the image of God. So this is why the devil hates you. Because you were created to bear the image of God. You were created in the New Testament to be a container for the Holy Spirit to dwell in. Are you breakable? Are you fragile? Yes, yes. But you're also incredibly valuable. And God sees your value. 
God knows that you're fragile. And he made you beautiful. But he also knows that you're breakable. But I want you to look at the next verse. Because many times in our state of vulnerability and when we're going through the difficulty, we make the excuse. Don't we? I'm just so breakable. I'm just so weak. I'm just so this. I'm just so that, right? Verse 8 says this. Now, he's talking about jars, something very fragile. And then he, get, then he changes his tune here. And I, I've never put this verse with the other. How many know when, they, when the Bible was written, there weren't chapters and verses? We came in and added all this stuff in and kind of break it down in a way that, you know, is easy, easier to memorize and easier to, you know, carry around because it's such a, such a huge canon. And so in verse 8, it says this, we are pressed on every side by troubles. Clay pot, pressed on every side. Uh-oh, here comes the pressure. I'm about to break, but we are not crushed. We are perplexed, but we're not driven to despair. We are hunted down, but we're never abandoned by God. We get knocked down, but we get up again. But we are not destroyed. Through suffering, our bodies continue to share in the death of Jesus so the life of Jesus may be seen in our bodies. Listen. In the natural, you are fragile. Right? But listen. In Him is a life that is durable. Are you with me? That is pressed but you're not crushed. So going through tribulation, going through difficulty, doesn't have to break you. Are you hearing me today? I know you're fragile. I know you're sensitive. God knows you're fragile. He knows you're sensitive. But he also knows that what is inside of you is far more solid than the external. And the glory of God is in you. The Spirit of God is in you. And so being a, fl- a, a fragile clay pot, you get hit, you don't break. Why? Because you've exchanged the old for new. So let's talk about turbulence today. Y'all okay? Number one, turbulence is not about you. It's not about you. It's not you. It's not because you did something wrong that you faced turbulence. And that, that's what we do, right? What did, what did I do wrong? It'd be easy if we're a pilot flying a plane and all of a sudden we face turbulence. It'd be easy for us as a pilot to go, what did I do wrong? I got to enter this situation. Listen, stuff is going to happen. Sometimes it's going to be God. Sometimes it's going to be the devil. Most of the time, can I tell you today, it's just going to be life. I think God gets too much credit for the negative things that happen in our life. It's just life. It's normal. It's necessary. So don't think when you're going through a hardship, what's wrong with me? Why is this so hard? It's normal. I'm not belittling your issue, but I want you to understand it's normal. Your issue's huge. I'm not going to tell you, I don't be scared. It's just turbulence. 
Because I'm over there freaking out too when I'm going through it. But if I can get the mindset that, you know what? It's normal. It's not because I'm flying somewhere that I'm not supposed to go. In fact, it's probably because I'm going somewhere where I am supposed to go. When we're on a plane, we experience turbulence and we automatically think something's wrong. Something's wrong with the plane, right? It doesn't matter how many times you've flown or experienced it. What's wrong? What's, what's happening? Nothing's wrong. Nothing's happening. We're flying. And when you fly, you face trouble. Just like Jesus said. It gets tough. It's not always tough, but it gets tough. Jesus never promised that we wouldn't have hardship. He promised that he would be with us. If we want to go somewhere, if we want to grow, if we want to change, we will face turbulence. Or you can just stay grounded. And never do what God's called you to do. And I can tell you that even in that place, you'll still face turbulence. So it's not you. You're just traveling. It's life. See, our our mentality is we think that if we have enough money, if we have the right career, the right friends, the right spouse, the right whatever, that we won't have trouble. But friend, that is not the truth. No matter how well you prepare And you should prepare. You will have trouble. You will. It's promised. We will all face hardship. We'll all deal with adversity. We'll all deal with frustration. We'll all deal with loss. It's not you. It's life. And in most cases, it's not God. We talk about God testing us. Oftentimes, I don't think that means what we think it means. We think God is testing us. It means God is throwing tests at us. No, God is the one that's grading the paper, going, how well are you doing? That's how he tests. He goes, let's see. Let's see, son, if you, if you put the work in, if you've studied up, let's see how well you go. And he's with us taking the test. That's the beauty of it. So he's not like, let's see how they handle this one. And that, this is what people think. I'll give him cancer. I thought he was a good, good father. Would you do that to your child? No. Hey, go run out in the street. Get out there. I want to see if you can dodge cars today. All right, son. We're going to go up 75 today. I'm going to let you get out and run around the highway and see if you can make it. That's what we think about God sometimes. We think God does that. We blame God. Blaming God for for the turbulence is like blaming the pilot for the turbulence. It's not God. It's the environment. We live in this world. Jesus didn't say, in this world, I'm going to give you trouble. I believe with all my heart that God doesn't cause hardships. He evaluates us in the midst of them. And he's with us in the midst of them. So don't say... Why is God causing this? Why is God doing this? Why is God allowing this? And I've said this often, and I'll say it again, because I think it's important for you to get. Rather than saying, why is God? Why don't you just say, God, who are you? Because what I need in this moment is I need to experience Jesus. And don't say this. Okay, here's, here's an here's a out of out of a text scripture that people always use. God will never give you more than you can handle. 
Well, first of all, God doesn't give that kind of stuff. He doesn't throw you in the middle of traffic. He doesn't give cancer and headaches and flat tires. God just gave me a flat tire. He might give you a flat tire to keep you from getting in an accident, but he's not going to give you a flat tire to ruin your day. God's just, he won't give you more than you can handle. What, and what people are referring to when they say that is 1 Corinthians 10, 13, where he says that you, he will not allow you to be tempted above, above the, the, the weight that you can handle or you can endure it or that you can't escape beyond your limits. So what he's saying is that, that God won't allow you to get into a situation where the temptation is so strong that you can't get out because it says that he, the temptation will be strong, but he'll provide a way out. So don't say when you're, you know, when someone, you know, loses a child, don't go, well, God will never give you more than you can handle because what you're saying then is that God gave them the loss of that child. That's not a good thing to, thing to say. We say really stupid things as spiritual people trying to help people that are dealing with loss. And, and a lot of that involves blaming God for those things. How about instead of blaming God for something, how about you represent God by sitting with that person and say, you know what, I don't know why this happened. I know that life is hard. I've been through some stuff. You've been through some stuff. But you know what? I'm going to go through it with you. And I'm going to hold your hand. And we're going to go through it together. And if you need anything, I'm right here. And I'm praying with you. But I'm not just praying for you. I'm going to show up at your house tomorrow. And I'm going to have a meal. Because that's what we do. We don't just look for answers. Sorry, guys. Answers don't really work. They don't really make us feel better when we're hurting. Why did it happen? Why did God allow? So, when you're going through turbulence, don't put it all off on God. And also don't put it all off on the devil. Well, the devil's just mad at me. The devil is mad at you, and the devil does attack you, and he's on you, and he's part of that environment. Come on. He's the prince of the power of the air for a reason, right? So he does stir things up, but not more than you can't fly through. Because can I tell you that greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world? So the devil doesn't have a step above you. Not anymore. Not, not, not after you came to Jesus. Not after you got filled with the Holy Spirit. You're actually, God, God put you on the earth, this earth to have dominion over darkness. And that's not God showing up and going, hey, 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 I'll take care of it. He's like, I want to take care of it through you. Right? Y'all okay? Uh, James 1, 1, great place to camp out when you're dealing with difficulties. Talks about trials and what they're doing and how they're developing and how they're making us stronger. But he also says this. He says, let no one say when he's going through a hardship, God is tempting me. God cannot be tested by anyone, is what he says. So God, God is not tempting you with evil. And I understand. There's a difference between tempting and trials and, and all that kind of stuff. And that, that's a conversation we could have if, if that's a struggle. So, number one, just understand, it's going to happen. You're in a world. Where is it coming from? I don't know. I just know Jesus promised, and we're going through it. It doesn't really matter. I, all that really matters right now is I, I want to get through this. I don't, I, it doesn't matter when I'm on a plane to know, oh, it's because of the, it doesn't help me to go, well, it's because of the airstreams, and there's a storm in the area, and the air pressure is changing, and it's higher here than it is here, and we're going, and, yeah, we're like 15-foot drops. None of that helps me. I'm freaking out. My face is wide. I'm going, Father, forgive me, right? Help my family. All that reasoning doesn't help me. But there are things that do help me when I'm flying, like the captain coming over and go, we're experiencing a little bit of turbulence. Just understand this is normal. 
and we're going, and there's some storms in the area, but we'll get through it, and we're going to arrive to our dinner. When he says those kind of things, you're assured, right? So what is the first thing that they tell you normally when you start going through turbulence? Stay seated, right? Stay seated. And so this is what happens. We start going through a difficulty, and we, we don't sit down anymore. We get up. What's happening? Investigating. I know that's what I do. There must be something in the bathroom. Oh, can't get in. It's occupied. Right? Must be something in the overhead bin. Right? We start researching. We start, stay seated. Seat is the place of trust. See, planes are, ha- are, are designed to handle turbulence. They're designed to handle all this stuff. The pilot is equipped to navigate you through the turbulence. He's gone to school for that. I mean, he's, he's a professional. That's why he's flying the plane and you're not. So, trust the pilot, trust the engineer. Trust the pilot, trust the engineer. He built it, and he's navigating it. Trust him. Just sit down. Trust that Jesus has it all figured out. Don't try to fly the plane. Don't do that. Trust him. Trust him. Everybody say, trust him. Look at your neighbor and put your hand on and say, trust him. Trust him. I don't know what you're going through, but just trust him. Sit down. Look at your other neighbor and say, sit down. Stay seated. Trust the engineer. Trust the captain. Isaiah 26, you will keep in perfect peace all who trust in you. All whose thoughts are fixed on you. Man, I'm so glad that this plane was engineered in such a way. And they spent so much money on this airplane to handle this. I know it came at an extremely high cost and a lot of testing, a lot of knowledge, a lot of experience. This plane isn't going to break down in the middle of the sky. It's not going to fall out of the sky. That pilot, highly educated man. He knows what's up. In fact, he's on the speaker talking to me right now. And he's telling me, hey, it's going to be all right. Got a little turbulent, got a little turbulence in the air. I'm like, yeah, we do, right? <laughs> Sit down. Listen, you can't just jump off the plane. Oh, my gosh, got to get out of here. That's a bad idea. Don't bail. You can, but it don't, won't end well. It won't end well. And I've known many have done that, right? I read a story last week about a pastor from Louisiana who was getting his pilot's license. And oftentimes, the pilot would take him into some kind of sketchy scenarios in the plane. And he was like, all right, you're the student, I'm the teacher, and they're flying together. And oftentimes, there would be turbulence and all this stuff going on. And he'd get him oftentimes in uncomfortable situations and the guy would freak out every time. And he, and he looked at this guy who was also a pastor. And he said this. He says, there is no position you can get this airplane into that I cannot get you out of. There is no position that you can get this airplane into that I cannot get you out of. Trust the captain. Trust the engineer. Stay seated. 
rest. Sometimes the only thing that you have is God loves me. Jesus died for me. Sometimes that's all you got. And can I tell you that when you realize that that's all you got, that's all you need. Just sit. God loves me. Jesus came for me. I'm good. Lord, give me a revelation of that. Stay seated. Number three. What's the other thing they tell you? Stay seated and buckle up. Buckle up. Don't just sit down. Lock yourself in. You know, the scriptures speak of the belt in Ephesians chapter 6 about the belt of what? Truth. Because truth has this way of securing us. See, as a parent, I kind of have this fear because I hear a lot of, you know, people turning away from God and, you know, all this kind of stuff. So as a parent, other parents probably have this, is that, you know, I'm afraid one day that my, my, my kids might start having lots of questions that I can't answer and they might, their, their heart might drift a little bit. That, that's a legit fear, I think, for us as parents. And I have, a, you know, a 10-year-old son who's, who's a little bit skeptical and, and wants to have answers and is very information-driven. And, but at the end of the day, what I've got to do is I've got to trust that the truth is the truth. And if he pursues the truth, he'll find Jesus because Jesus is the truth. He'll experience the word of God because the word of God is the truth. It's not a truth. If it's a truth, it's not the truth. Jesus said, I'm the truth, not a truth. So he's either the truth or he's not the truth. So buckle yourself in the truth with the belt of truth. Now, I know it says, hey, the, the sword is the word. Yes, we know that. But the belt is truth. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, the life. He, it, the scripture says this in John chapter 1. It says, the, 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 the word, which is the truth, was made flesh and made his dwelling among us. So the truth of the word of God is in the man Jesus. You all right? So we need, being buckled in, we need the presence of Jesus. Everybody say the presence. See, peace is not found in the absence of trouble. It's found in the person and the presence of Jesus. That's where you find peace. It's in the person and in the presence of Jesus. Remember what he said? Take heart, I've overcome the world. Take heart, I've got it. I've dealt with anything that can destroy you. I've dealt with it. And understand this, listen. Jesus didn't say, that I'm going to go to the Father and give you a Bible. Come on. Now, we're going to talk about the Word in just a minute. I'm not devaluing the Word. I'm telling you, it's not enough to have a Bible. You need to experience the presence of Jesus. Because one of the things that we do is some of us are real word-driven, so we just, the Word, the Word, the Word, the Word, the Word. Jesus said, my words are spirit and they are life. And so we're just so word-driven and we don't ever experience what the Word says. And then we just become like the Pharisees and we become religious. And we become very uh, philosophical, but we're not connected to the heart of God at all. So you need to experience the presence of Jesus. It's not, just, it's not good enough to just memorize the Bible. Thank God that we have the Bible. Thank God that we have something to judge everything else that we're hearing by Come on, to test the infallible. We got the infallible word, but we need the presence of Jesus. Jesus didn't say, I came to give you the Bible. I'm going to leave leave you a Bible when I go to the Father. He said, I'm going to give you the Spirit, and the Spirit's going to teach you all things. 
Come on. I'm not devaluing your Bible. You better be in that Word. In fact, you're going you're gonna to be in the Word, and when the Holy Spirit speaks to you, you're going to go, that sounds like Jesus. And you're going to go, oh, it is Jesus, because he also said it right here. Or this signs up with this. This seems like the nature of God. That doesn't seem like the Holy Spirit. Well, how are you going to judge that? By what you're feeling today? Because that's going to change tomorrow. So you better have a solid word to judge all these other experiences by. Y'all all right? Uh, Matthew 28, 20, I'm with you always. How often? Even until the end of the age. So you need to experience his presence. If you're going to experience his presence, how do you experience the presence of Jesus? When you're going through tribulation, when you're going through hardship, how do you experience the presence of Jesus? There's two things that you do to experience the presence of Jesus. You praise him and you pray to him. Because praise opens the door, right? He's enthroned upon the praises of his people. I know he's always there, but if you need to experience him, you praise him. Because when you praise him, he reveals himself. He goes, hey, I'm the king. I've I've been here the whole time. I'm already the king, but I'm making myself known here. So prayer, praise, what praise does is praise opens the gate for the king to come in. Come on, Psalm 24. Lift up your heads, all you gates, that the king of glory may come in. So when we praise him, he comes in because praise precedes victory. So when we praise him, Jesus shows up, and then we pray, and we go, Lord, this is what I'm dealing with. The presence of Jesus. This is how he invades and comes and sits with you when you're flying and you're freaking out. And you're like, Lord, I honor you today. I praise you. So one of the most powerful things for you to do when you're going through turbulence It's go, Lord, you're a good, good father. It's who you are. Abba, I belong to you. Right? You're just getting your eyes off of the turbulence and setting your gaze on him. Praise precedes victory, and it opens the gate for the king to come in. And the second thing, so we need the presence. We need the tangible. We need the experience. Don't ever minimize that. But we also need the word. The word. We need the word made flesh dwelling in us. With skin on, with tangible. But we also need the word. This is the voice of your captain speaking. Right? Jesus, my sheep, know my voice, John 10. We need the promise of his word. For example, I have three right here. Let me read off one of them. Uh, Isaiah 41, 13. For I am the Lord your God who takes hold of your right hand and says to you, do not fear, I will help you. So we're going through turbulence. It doesn't do good, do you any good to go to Hobby Lobby and buy a plaque and have a little plaque on your wall that makes you feel good. You can do this. All your dreams will come true. I know you got like 50 of them. We have like more than 50 probably in our house. You better have the word in you so you have something stable to get through this. Because you are fragile. So stay buckled in. Stay buckled into the truth. We know that all things work together for the good, that those that love him and are called according to his purpose. God, this turbulence sucks. It's difficult. And he's going, yeah, yeah, I know. But I'm working it for you. We're going to get there. We've we got to change air pressure. We've got to change temperatures. We've got to change. We've got to go through all the We're going to get there. I'm working it for you. We're going a little faster right now because of it. I'm working it for you. I'm working it out. I'm working in you. Right? 
When the environment's working on us, God is working in us. He's always working in us. And remember this, number three. You okay? So buckle up. And number four, I guess we're on number four, right? I had number three on my notes. I don't know what I was thinking. Number one, it's not you. It's life. Number two, buckle up. Or number two, sit down. Number three, buckle up because my numbers are messed up. And number four, remember turbulence is a temporary inconvenience. It's temporary. What if I deal with it for the rest of my life? It's temporary. It's all temporary. It's all temporary. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 17. For our present troubles. Oh, come on. How many of y'all facing some present troubles? Our present troubles are small. Won't last very long. Yet, they produce. Woo, come on. How many of you know that your troubles produce? God won't let that difficulty go wasted. Come on. This is so hard. It's so hard, God. I won't let it go wasted. You're going to be so solid. You're going to get through this and you're going to have so much revelation. You got to know my goodness way more. God, I don't know right now. I don't feel like that. I'm working it. It's so valuable. You're so valuable. I love you. I know it's hard. It won't last very long. I'm producing. Yet they produce for us a glory that vastly outweighs them. Have you ever gone through something? And you're like, there's no way I'd go through it again. And then on the other side, you get back and you're like, you know what? I would have never learned that. If I, I, don't, I don't know that I want to go through it again, Lord. Let's just make that clear, right? But I'm glad of who I am because of it. I'm glad because of what you did in me during that time. And I'm glad that about 2002, I was sitting in my living room crying out to Jesus with a guitar in my hand singing, I need you to hold me. Come down, come down in this living room and hold me. I just, I need you to come in. And, and when Jesus came and he sat down in my living room with me and he's sitting on the edge of the front of the seat and he's going, yeah, I feel your pain, Josh. I wouldn't trade that moment for anything. But I tell you what, it was the hardest time of my life. But it was also the season of my life where I experienced the most glory. Why does it work like that? I don't know. Maybe it's because in those moments, we're so trusting of God because we're all out of options. And I'm sitting there crying, and he's like, I get it. And I'm with you. And I'm not leaving. And here's, here's a song that you can sing. And I was like, okay. And people will get blessed. And they'll cry too. I invade their life. So we don't look at our troubles we can now see whether we fix our gaze on the things that cannot be seen. For the things that we see now will soon, soon be gone. But the things that we can't see, they're going to last forever. So get your eyes off the turbulence. Get your eyes off the trials and 
the people around you and all that. And set your gaze on the one, on the ancient of days, the one who's always been there. The one that designed the plane, the one that's flying the plane, the one that's with you, sitting there with his hand on you, going, I love you, my child. Set your gaze on him. Amen. And you will get through it. I heard a story. You've, you've probably never heard the story, but you've probably heard the statement. It's an old Jewish uh, folklore tale about King Solomon. And King Solomon had, had a, a, one of his chief ministers named Benaiah. And he said, Benaiah, he said, I, 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 want, I want a magic ring to deal with my depression. If you don't know anything about Solomon, one thing you know he's really wise, but he's also really depressed. Read Ecclesiastes. And he's like, I know I want a ring that I can look at it and know that, I, and, and it'll make my depression go away. A magic ring. Go find it. So he goes out, but now he goes out for six months searching for this ring. Six months searching, looking all across the land. And he ends up in the p- poorest part of Jerusalem. And he's going around Jerusalem, and he finds a, a metalsmith, a, a jeweler. All, all jewelers were custom, custom jewelers back then. And he finds this guy, and he says, hey, I'm looking for this ring. I've been looking for six months. It's for King Solomon. I got this. I, he wants a magic ring. He said that there's some magic ring that if I put it on, that if he puts it on, all of his depression will go away. So he pulls out this plain old ordinary gold ring, and he goes and writes something on it. And he brings it out back to Benai, and Benai heads to the king, and he shows it to the king. He said, I found it after six months of searching. I found the magic ring. And King Solomon takes the ring and reads, reads the words on the ring. And it says, this too shall pass. And he said, sir, oh good king, would you know that every moment, no matter how great the moment is that you can look at that ring and know this too will pass. But oh sir, that you would know that when you're going through the darkest, deepest trial of your life, when everything is pushing and crushing and you're going through it and it's hard, you can know this too shall pass. Thank you.